Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza and as always I am joined by Matt Harmon on Sunday evenings to help me recap six not just five, but six of the most interesting NFL games from Sunday afternoon, as well as previewing the Monday night matchup. Matt, how are you this fine Sunday? Uh, I'm doing doing all right. Uh, I'm not as good as Brashad Perryman is uh, in mm. his redemption moment, but I feel so... How's that uh, crow coming out of the side of your mouth, friend? Hey, listen, <laughs> Chase... That was his one target of the day. One target. Like I had, you know, I'm the kind of in and out of every single game. Obviously, I'm not. I'm not sitting there uh, with the quad box monitoring everything that happens at every sure. moment in every single game and that stuff. But uh, I was as he's taking that target, you know, taking that catch in to win the game. I'm like, oh my god, I'm such a jackass. And I was like, all right, well, you know what? That was. His, and then I think they said that was his first target of the day. I was like, see process the process it's one of those times when you just gotta laugh at yourself and for you listeners who missed ffl this morning matt was asked a question um where he was asked to choose between two players i don't even remember who the other player chase, was but chase one edmonds of them, chase edmonds was ah, the other was one chase- I, was, <laughs> I was like you can just take you're probably taking a zero from uh perryman anyway so you could just like afford to wait on it <laughs> take the zero uh but yikes tough scene took it all the way to took all the way to overtime to get his first target and uh and he scores on it what a day what a day well Perryman's day and even yours Matt beside that pick was a lot better than these players we're going to talk about um we're going to have to discuss some injuries and we're going to start with Lamar Jackson who sprained his ankle he was actually carted off and per Diana Rossini A low ankle sprain is expected. They'll obviously run tests on Monday, so keep an eye on this. Rest of the season, I think it's worth mentioning, versus Green Bay at Cincinnati versus the Rams versus the Steelers for the Ravens, who, you know, we'll talk about this matchup a little bit. But, you know, after losing to a division opponent, are in a little bit of a pickle in terms of the playoff race. Yes. Uh, yeah, they're they're in a tough spot, that's for sure. We'll talk more about that game, but uh, man, the Ravens, what a weird season. Indeed. Um, Terry McLaurin also concussed early in the Washington football game, Dallas game as a result. He, uh, at no fault of his own, by the way, like gave fantasy managers a bagel. Uh, he has a week, obviously, to clear the protocol. And in week 15, we'll hopefully suit up and travel to Philadelphia, but again, remains to be seen. That same matchup, Taylor Heineke uh, went out with a knee injury. He also hurt his elbow earlier. In fact, after the game, he mentioned that his elbow was giving him more trouble than his knee. And underrated slash underreported loss, the team's center, Tyler Larson, who has a pre-existing relationship with Ron Rivera and the Panthers, Um, is out with an Achilles. So that's obviously going to affect Heineke's play, whether or not he makes it onto the field in week 15. Charles Leno also left that game at different points too. just a lot of injuries up front for uh, Washington football team. And I mean, Taylor Heineke, uh, he also hurt my feelings in this game too. when he completed just two of 12 passes in the first half. And at one point, this is not like a joke at one point. And again, we'll talk more about this game. There was at one point where like, Adam Humphreys had his two catches in the first half. And I swear to God, like more Dallas defenders had touched Taylor Heineke's like tipped his passes than uh, uh, Washington football team players had caught them. 
tough scene, tough scene, especially after ripping off four wins coming out of the bye and ugh, Mike McCarthy's ridiculous yeah. guarantee of a win. I mean, it's true. But again, we will talk about that game, particularly Dak's play in a little bit. Last injury and one that I think we're both particularly concerned with, Austin Eckler, who entered this week's game with an ankle bruise. He talked about it on Eckler's Edge. By the way, props to Austin for always being so transparent with our viewers and listeners about his injury and health status. Um, he left the game after that in- ankle was aggravated, put more tape on it than I've ever seen tape put on a, a joint, a- a- an appendage. Um, it is also worth noting that there's a quick turnaround for the Chargers. They play on Thursday night versus the Chiefs. So obviously playoff implications there since they're playing a division opponent. It is also worth mentioning that Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly pretty much split this backfield evenly in Eckler's stead. Uh, one had 10 touches, one had 11 touches. They both had 40 yards apiece. Yeah, I mean, this would be another loss for the Chargers to deal with. You know, Keenan Allen, who uh, the NFL reported he is vaccinated, like theoretically he could come back for that Thursday night game. Uh, but, you know, without the two of them, that would be tough. Although I will say it was against the Giants and the Giants stink. But this is the type of performance for Justin Herbert where you're like, oh, right, this guy can be the, uh, I love to say this, the rising tide that lifts all boats in this particular uh, in this particular moment. You know, no Keenan Allen, who's been a target dominator, didn't matter. You know, seven targets led the way from Josh Palmer. He caught a touchdown. Jared Cook caught a touchdown. Jalen Guyton caught a touchdown. It's like, yeah, Justin Herbert can be the guy that's like, okay, we're missing our superstar in the wide receiver position. Let me just elevate everybody else. So asking him to elevate the offense without both Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler against Kansas City, that would be a tough task. Absolutely. I was relieved, though, that Justin Herbert was eventually pulled, seeing that it was a a blowout, and that uh, Staley took the time to rest Austin, and hopefully that'll help um, in the quick turnaround. Let's start talking about these matchups. I did say it was an exciting day of football. Let's start with one of the most exciting games, an overtime matchup between the 49ers and the Bengals. Jimmy Garoppolo edges out Joe Burrow by three points. He passes for 296 yards and two touchdowns. George Kittle has another big game, 151 yards and a touchdown. Brandon Ayuk, your boy, completes 6 of 11, plus the game-winning touchdown, a total of 62 yards. All right, Matt. I mean, I I said you had a little, you were eating crow at the top of this show, but now is a chance for you to actually crow after Ayuk's performance. I mean, we'll just see if this is finally enough for uh, the most disrespectful man (laughs) in fantasy to to say his damn name. But uh, we'll leave that for FFL next week between Tank Williams and myself. Although Liz, you're, you're leading our daily fantasy contest now after today, after I made every, I tinkered on Sunday morning and made every (laughs) wrong move possible, but that's not the point here. Listen, this was a great performance, uh, you know, down the stretch by the 49ers office. There, there was, there were several moments and, you know, there were, always be these moments with Jimmy Garoppolo we're like man there's just meat on the bone here it's just just throwing short of the six on third down constantly but I really do think like the longer you know Trey Lance has to hold up his end of the bargain here but like this late part of the season for the 49ers offense which has mostly been good really does like start to think like man maybe they can pull this whole like this version of Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes off and you know they ship Alex or uh, just almost called him Alex Smith they ship off Jimmy in the offseason and uh, get a decent return for him from some dumb team uh and then they start Trey Lance and this offense really takes another dimension I mean I I, I do think about that every time watching this team but yeah I mean 49ers I will say definitely missed Elijah Mitchell we think that every time Mitchell leaves the offense like you know, we t- can talk about Shannon Hannigan's all we want, but those literally only apply when Eli Mitchell doesn't play. Because when Mitchell's out there, he's the guy. Nobody else matters. Jeff Wilson didn't really step up. Uh, that's not that surprising considering uh, he's had injury issues all year long. Uh, Debo Samuel is the one guy right now where, you know, he's probably not 100%. Uh, he probably came back a little early from this groin situation. But this is not, you know, outside the norm for him to be very low in the receiving department and kind of saving his bacon with a rushing touchdown. But we're going to take it every single week. Oh, I mean, yeah. you mentioned low in the receiving. One target, he catches it, 22 yards. Thank you very much. Um, but, yeah, I wonder, too, um, with Eli Mitchell back, like, I'm still – when Eli Mitchell comes back, I am not imagining that Debo won't still rush the ball eight times like he did today. Uh, may, maybe it's five, maybe – but between five and ten, even with Mitchell in the mix, seems reasonable. 
and it's always in scoring area too that they seem to throw him. Like mm, it's yeah. it's it's you know six to eight rush attempts with one touchdown. So listen, you're never not going to play uh, Debo Samuel. There, there's no way that you'd ever pull him out. But I do think this was why I was always hesitant to have him as like a locked in you know, wide receiver one, like he had been putting up those type of numbers just because, you know, this is a, it took an overtime and like a close game situation to get Jimmy Garoppolo to 41 pass attempts. This is not really the team they want to be. Uh, Kittle and Brandon Ayuk account for 26 of those uh, targets, you know, and obviously everybody else is kind of picking at the picking at scraps or even Juwan Jennings was getting some like crucial high leverage targets at points. So it's just a very uh, concentrated offense between these three guys, but you know, somebody's going to get left out in the cold every single week. The good thing with Debo is if he's the guy that gets left out in the cold uh, from a passing game perspective, he still has the rushing equity, which is crucial for him. And they're not going to have to be that team, or so it seems, next week when they host the Falcons. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk <laughs> about, right, right? Uh, so let's talk about the Bengals. Uh, Joe Burrow looked fantastic. Yeah, I, awesome. I mean, th- it was not a perfect game, but 348 yards Two touchdowns, again, overtime. So some of that is inflated with the extra quarter of play. T. Higgins catches five of seven for 114. Didn't really come to life until the end of the game. And Jamar Chase, I hope y'all bought the dip on him after, you know, a would-be, could-be score last week that was turned into an interception on a fluky couple of baubles. This week, he gets a touchdown called back early in the game, but then finally the ROI happens, converts five of eight for 77 yards and two touchdowns. You love to see it. Yeah. He had an ugly third down drop. Uh, there was some, definitely some miscues for Jamar chase in this game. There, there are nits to pick, but yeah, for the most part, you want to be ahead of the curve on a guy like this. The elite potential he's shown is there. T Higgins has been awesome too. You know, I mean, these guys basically are like a one, a one B tandem in terms of their usage right now. And, and for a long stretch, including uh, this week, T Higgins has been the one a of that tandem. I, I think Higgins is you know, really great. And I'm glad you brought up Joe Burrow. I, I know I always say, I hate to do that. We're not talking about this enough, but it does kind of feel like we're not talking about Joe Burrow enough. Like guy has been just good consistently all season, no matter what type of offense they want to run, whether they were, you know, sort of taking it easy on him and being run heavy at different parts of the year, especially early on. But then when they spread things out and they got to take to the air, like this game and last game too, in the second half, despite his pinky situation, like he played better once he got back in there with the whole pinky or whatever, you know, no, go ahead. No, I, I think it's, I think we are not talking about it enough because he was sold as Joe Cool smoking the cigar, yeah. right? Like this, he is meeting the expectation, and yet we are not adjusting our expectation for a second-year player who missed a, a good chunk of his rookie season. Yeah, I think that's the thing. He's just so much better this year than he was last year. He was already really good last year. Like he was a day one instant impact starter, and I just think this offense has a lot of room to grow. Um, you know, you could definitely pick some nits at, at, at Zach Taylor as well. Uh, obviously the running game hasn't been as prolific the last two weeks that it has been for certain parts of the year, but I think this, this, this Bengals offense is in a really good spot with these three, with these three guys. Some of the Joe Mixon, uh, the, the lack of Joe Mixon involvement can be explained away by game script over the past two weeks as well. Um, they've Certainly. had to put the ball in the air and also I'm like, I'm kind of happy <laughs> in terms of just, keeping Joe Mixon on the field to see Samaji Pirine a little bit involved. I don't like Joe Mixon touching the ball 30 times a week. I don't, I don't think that's a good recipe for his longevity. And if I am a Joe Mixon investor heading into the playoffs, I want to make sure he stays on the field. So I'll take it, assuming I was able to squeak in and riding the high from a couple of weeks ago when he was crushing it. Um, also, just when you're talking about the Jamar Chase drops, because I have a feeling this is going to become the narrative. I don't care. Like, I, I hope everyone, the, the Mike Evans drops, name a player who struggled, Devontae Adams drops at the top of his career. I don't care. Like, this can, I want Jamar, I will have so much Jamar Chase that it will probably do me a disservice next year. And I hope that everybody else buys into the drops narrative so that I can get him at a reasonable price. Hey, long people who, who know me know I will not disagree with a single word you just said. <laughs> Another overtime game, the Buccaneers and the Bills. We talked about Tom Brady throwing an absolutely gorgeous pass to the unexpected Rashad Perryman to win this game in an extra okay. quarter. But <laughs> who do you want to talk about first? Should we talk about Tom Brady then? I think we should because, talk about Perryman uh, some more. 
I think we should just. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh, can you imagine? I wonder if Andy and Scott are going to have to talk about him no. on the pickup show. Probably not. I no. mean, he got one I think target. Andy, by the way, we'll just say no. He got one target. <laughs> oh, Andy made sure to tweet at me, though, about Rashad Berryman. So. <laughs> okay. That's, so his, maybe that's his analysis. Yeah. Look, we're um, Tom Brady, 363 oh, passing yards. Tom Brady, 363 passing yards, two touchdowns, 16 rushing yards, and a rushing score as a quarterback sneak. But, um, like, I maybe this is me being getting older and being jaded, but I kind of love seeing Tom Brady crush. Like, there is something satisfying the rational mind to see him go out there and just win. It's like, it's like believing that if you work really hard at something, success can be yours, which, you know, doesn't always ring true. Yeah. I I think I said this last year towards their Super Bowl run, but like at this point in life, if you're like out there just hating Tom Brady, you're just wasting energy. You're just, yeah. wa- you're just who cares? I mean, like sit fun. back and applaud it. Yeah. Enjoy it. Like th- we're see, you'll I don't never know see this see again. Like we'll, this never, again. Yeah, yeah. we'll never see anything like this again. I mean, I don't know who's out there. still just like, geez, little Tom Brady. I hate to see it. It's like, what a waste of emotional yeah. energy. It ain't like, it ain't going anywhere. He looks great. Uh, looks better than ever. It is. This is. This is. This is football. Like it's, everything changes in this game, except Brady. And I do. I actually do think the one thing that I've appreciated about Brady the most this year, and there's a lot of things, right? But the number one thing I appreciate is that, like, we are talking about. At least I feel like we're having this kind of league wide conversation about. Oh man, like defenses are now kind of coming into this new era where they're just like stopping the vertical passing game. They're allowing you to run on them. This old cover two style defense is kind of back. And I just think it's really cool that like Brady has lived through when that era was happening, you know, long, long ago to the like era where the Seattle offshoot defenses took over the league to, and then the big passing boom. And now we're back at this era where like him and Leonard Fournette are cooking in like an equal sort of partnership at this offense. I mean, Fournette was you know, huge again today, 47 yard run, uh, scores a touchdown, 19 carries overall, you know, they ran on the bills. We thought they would run on the bills and that's exactly what happened. And I just think that's, that's probably the thing about Brady that I appreciate the most this year is that like, we're having this conversation about, man, this, this, this year of football feels very different than like 2020, 2019 and 2018 in terms of like how we analyze passing games and passing defenses. And Brady's like lived through this before. I, I don't know. I find that to be, co- I find that to be cool. I also think it's amazing that this isn't the the Peyton Manning Super Bowl season, right? Where like he's no. clearly a limited player physically, but such a surgeon and so cerebral that he can just he has the experience necessary to outsmart opposing defenses. He's doing that and the arm strength is still there. The mobility which he never really had is still there. I mean, it's it's or there at the same level as it ever was, I suppose. Like I I don't know. I think it's I think it's absolutely incredible, and I'm, I don't call it Kool-Aid, call it avocado no, tequila. No. I am drinking all of it up. Um, you mentioned Leonard Fournette. I would just, sorry, remain... just, I would say when you make, make the analogy to Peyton Manning, like it's not Peyton Manning's Super Bowl year. It's Peyton Manning the year he went to the Super Bowl with the Broncos, and obviously they got blown out by the Seahawks, but that was his second year with, with Denver. And, you know, the first year with Denver was great. Sure. The second year was even better. And I think this year with Tom Brady and the Bucks is even better, despite the fact he's missed Antonio Brown for most of the season. Like, you know, now he's got a year's worth of chemistry with Mike Evans, a year's worth of chemistry with Chris Godwin. Obviously, Gronk has been in and out of the lineup, too. And, like, I think these guys are all better. than, Even though he's not going to hit probably the statistical accolades of a guy like Peyton Manning in, in that year, they went to the Super Bowl and lost it. Um, and he already has the Super Bowl in the bag, you know, with his new team. So, like, yeah. he's already done the legacy building BS. And now it's just like, oh, now it just is more and more. I don't know. It's cool. I love it. Chris Godwin had another double-digit reception day. Catches 10 for 105. Mike Evans, 91 in a touch. He, uh, Rob Gronkowski is, third, is second in team targets, 5 for 62. The thing I love most about Gronk, he's got two defenders draped on him, and he's still calling for the ball. At, at the level that he is at, right? Like, he's not moving the same, but it doesn't matter. He's still a beast. Um, all right, now that we have gushed about Tom Brady for all that time, let's talk about Josh Allen, <laughs> um, who did pass for over 300 yards and scored three touchdowns, two through the air, one through the ground. Oh, and he also rushed for 100 yards on the ground because, as the commentators noted plenty of times, Buffalo is having 
a lot of trouble with their running backs and being able to run the ball effectively. I mean, they weren't even really trying in this game. Uh, four carries for Devin Singletary, three for Matt Breida. And, like, that's probably fine, right? They're still not clicking on all cylinders in the passing game. And I think a good bit of that is Josh Allen. You know, I think, um, like, him and Stephon Diggs have been just a little off on a few deep passes for, you know, basically all season long. You know, Dawson Knox made some big plays. Cole Beasley made some, you know, he did his Cole Beasley thing. Nine catches for 64 yards, 11 targets. If you started him, I think you're going to take that. They're just, they're not the elite Bills passing offense that we expected coming into this year. I think you got to ask some questions about that. But yeah, I mean, Josh Allen at some point in this game was just like, F it. I will do this myself. And it's with on one leg, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's worth giving him all the praise for that because, you know, even if he has a little hit or miss as a passer, a little hit or miss as a decision maker in this game. And and like I said, I think this has been a season long trend for him. I thought the Bills were D-E-D dead in the water in this game at one point. And they fought back from an enormous deficit. You know, the defense, which has been dogged on of late, you know, stopped Tampa Bay to keep this game close when they needed to. They took it to overtime. If you had told me when this, you know, in the first or second quarter that this game was going to go to overtime, like fat chance. No, it's not. But indeed, that is what happened. I think Allen deserves a lot of credit for that. I think obviously the defense deserves some credit as well. Um, Like I said, they're just not quite the elite passing offense they probably need to be to run the type of team they want to run. And they unfortunately just don't at this point in the season, this is who they are. You know, they're not going to pull a running game out of thin air. You know, it ain't going to happen with like Matt Breed and Devin Singletary and these guys. Well, coming off of a short week, it was still pretty exceptional to watch Josh Allen do what he did. And they are in a nice bounce back spot um, hosting the Panthers in week 15. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That'll be a nice feel good moment. (laughs) The Cowboys bested the football team by seven points, though, my goodness, the football team stayed plucky. I mean, defensively, I did not see this coming at all. I also was completely surprised that the Cowboys' offense wasn't able to better capitalize. Um, And the fact that their defense continues to keep them in games, which is something we did not anticipate back in September. No, um, the defense was good in this game. Like I said, Taylor Heineke was... (laughs) You know, we usually talk about Taylor Heineke and like, oh, man, what a determined player. Uh, He was determined to try to throw as many interceptions in the first half as possible. That was it was rough. It Like he was I said on FL this morning, he's number one in EPA per play coming into this game since they got off their bye week among quarterbacks in um, in in, in, like multi-game starters. I'm going to go ahead and say he's not going to be at the top of the list after this game. He was kind of due for a, a, a bit of a dud. This was an extreme one. Also, like you said, got banged up. I don't need to be seeing Kyle, Kyle Allen at any point uh, in my life. Washington has just had a lot of injuries. I don't really know what to say about them. Like with with their guys, you know, you're going to continue to start Antonio Gibson. This was just like a miserable game script, obviously. Uh, and obviously when Terry McLaurin plays, you're probably going to want to side like this should have been the bounce back game for Terry McLaurin, but I, I digress the Cowboys side. I, what do you think is kind of the, um, the issue here? I mean, yeah. I mean, we know that they're not, they haven't been fully healthy in a while. There's, we know they're not fully healthy in the backfield right now. Tony Pollard misses this game. Zeke is uh, not close to a hundred percent. Dak has struggled since coming off of this calf injury, I, I would say. I mean, he was awesome. Like, one of the best cerebral quarterbacks, pre-snap guys in the entire NFL early in the season. Uh, that pick six that he threw that basically made this game kind of interesting at the end, that was one of the worst things I've seen in my entire life. So, I, I don't know. I, it's, it's tough right now. The Holcomb pick at the end of the game? Yes, that was tough um, to watch. Yeah, they showed him on the sideline, like, sucking oxygen, obviously. And I was like, well, he's not the only one. I think all of D.C. is sucking <laughs> oxygen like that, too. Um, I think one of the major problems for the Cowboys is that they're having trouble finding balance. And without yeah. Tony Pollard and without Zeke healthy, I mean, you see Zeke, who's been struggling with this knee injury since week four, right? Yeah. He's not clearing 50 rushing yards week after week. He's staying alive in fantasy save this game because of the goal line equity that he's able to get. So you got to rank him in the top 15 because, you know, he's probably going to get a touchdown. They're certainly not going to roll Pollard out in goal line situations. This week, you see... Corey Clement come out, right? When when it looks like Dallas has the game in the bag, Clement comes out to spell Elliott. And then when the tide begins to turn, oh, look who's back on look the field. Back. No surprise yeah. here. But I think that the lack of balance um, and the foundation that the Dallas Cowboys expect from a running game and a running back that you pay as much as they're paying Zeke is kind of 
throwing Prescott off. You make a good point about the calf injury and whether or not maybe it's worse than we are being led to believe or he's compensating elsewhere in his lower body because of it. I think those two things probably put together are creating this um, just a half step of uh, hesitancy when he is reading the field and working through his progressions. Yeah. And Dallas, the health thing is just something to follow because it's like when one unit gets right, another one falls back. It's like the offensive line finally got healthy. Then the wide receiver course started to miss time, you know, with lamb going uh, out for a, co- a concussion for one and a half games. Mari Cooper misses two games with, with COVID. And that was like when Michael Gallup got back. So, then that unit gets healthy. Now there's this backfield thing going on. So, and obviously Dak missed a game within all this too. So it's really just like the whole unit has not been out there at a hundred percent at any point, uh, the last two months. I don't know if we'll ever get that though. The rest of the way, who knows what's going on with Dak, but the Zeke thing is troubling. Like, in one way, though, if you're a Cowboys fan and I mean, you know, if you're playing these, if you got these guys in fantasy, you're probably starting them every single week. So there's really no discussion there. But like if you're a Cowboys fan, you got to be lucky that they you got to feel pretty good. that They pulled this game out because now there's a chance like had Washington kind of, you know, bit them in this game. Then it's like, ooh, the NFC is getting a little uncomfortable. We, we probably want the Cowboys to be one of these teams that can take it easy in the last couple of weeks or something because. God, I think Zeke really needs the rest. That's just the thing that that is troubling right now. Well, next week, uh, they should be able to rest a decent amount as they will take on the Giants and rest of season schedule. So at the Giants in week 15 versus Washington again in week 16, big game against Arizona week 17, and then they close things out at Philadelphia, another division game, which should be another, a softer matchup. Um, So three of those four, not too tough. It'll never happen, but like, let's just let Corey Clement handle all the work against the Giants. You don't need. I mean, he gets that big revenge game in Week 18. A perfect. True poetry. <laughs> all right. Speaking of revenge, the Browns got revenge over the Ravens from two weeks ago. They lost, then they won this time. Though Tyler Huntley gave it his best, completing 26 of 37, passing for 270 yards, rushing for 64. Pretty good for an undrafted second-year player. Pretty damn good. Pretty damn good for a team that was down 24-6 to at halftime. I mean, the Ravens really came back in this one. You know, obviously a Lamar injury is horrible, and it's, you know, like the one thing that could break the back of this team, like the last straw in a, a series of injuries. But, you know, it was pretty cool to see the passing game really pop off in this one. I mean, hey – might be a good idea, Ravens, to not have Rashad Bateman be fourth on the team in routes like he was last week. We don't need the Devin Duvernay experience. Bateman was pretty awesome in this game. Uh, goes over 100 yards on eight targets. Marquise Brown also gets eight targets. And obviously, Mark Andrews you know, led the team with 11 catches and 115 yards and a touchdown. Like This unit is good. Like Those three receivers are pretty good. Um, and Cle- for Cleveland, it was just like, If I'm the Cleveland Browns, I'm feeling pretty lucky that I got away with this one, too. You know, 32 passes for Baker Mayfield, 190 yards. We know the deal with them. Jarvis Landry sneaks in for uh, for a touchdown or whatever. But, yeah, this was there are still a lot of questions about. um, I think there was going to be a lot of questions about either team that won this game one way or another. Obviously, the Ravens face a lot more questions now that Lamar is not out there. I love seeing Donovan Peoples-Jones catch five of seven for 90 I felt pretty pretty good, especially with Marlon Humphrey not being in that. By the way, the Ravens have Green Bay next week, and I'm really hoping that Lamar gets healthy because yeah. we want to see Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson face one another. I think your analysis on Cleveland is spot on. Uh, Kareem Hunt was banged up in this game, so keep an eye on that situation. Um, but, yeah, you're starting – you're probably starting Jarvis Landry. You're definitely starting Nick Chubb. And I don't know if you're still messing with Baker Mayfield, you're probably no. not playing in week 15. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've been in some trouble for some time. Even like, <laughs> even a guy like Landry, this was the perfect matchup for him. And, and he still caught five for 41, you know, like Austin Hooper gets a touchdown against the Ravens. Cause every tight end beats up on the Ravens. So, um, and there were the other two weren't playing. Yeah, exactly. Needed every, like, that's what I'm saying. These guys on the Browns need every variable to go right. And this was the best 
that we got. So I, if you're still alive in the fantasy playoffs, I would suggest you don't be messing around with anybody who's not Nick Chubb. And even Nick Chubb, it's like 17 carries for 59 yards against a team that had been allowing some explosive plays in both the run and pass game. It's because they know that's the only threat. Teams know that's the only threat right now. The Kansas City Chiefs hosted the Las Vegas Raiders and put the hurt on them 48-9 to for the Chiefs. Um, Derek Carr was sacked four times. He threw a touchdown and a pick. He had a QBR of 34.1. I mean, any questions about the Chiefs' defense have been absolutely silent, moving Chris Jones back inside and adding Melvin Ingram has certainly fixed the situation that was plaguing them at the top of the season. As a result, they were able to get the run game going, and we know you can run against the Raiders. It's not just Clyde Edwards-Hilaire who runs in two touchdowns. Derek Gore gets involved. Nine carries for 66 yards, rips off a 50-yard run and also finds the end zone. And Daryl Williams also, he continues to get red zone looks. He, through the air, finds a touchdown, um, converts all three of his targets for 31 and that touch. I mean, friggin' Josh Gordon scored a touchdown for the Chiefs. That's how this day was going. Uh, I was listening to the game on my way home uh, from the Yahoo office, and you know the commentators kept saying, "Yeah, you can tell that with this game kind of in hand, they're really just trying to gear Josh Gordon up for more playing time because they, you know, want McCole Hardman's been phased out or whatever." I'm like, "Geez, Raiders, pretty embarrassing that you're in the opposing team is just trying to get Josh Gordon involved to get him, you know." more integrated into the offense. That is a tough look for the Raiders. I mean, I guess the Raiders forgot that they were the only team that's allowed the 2021 Chiefs to look like their, you know, old selves. No adjustments from what we saw last time. This they just rolled out the same old plan and it was it was um it was bad from the whistle. I mean, Josh Jacobs fumbles early. You know, Josh Jacobs gets his five catches. Yeah, Yahoo, if you, you you'd like that in fantasy, he's definitely been more involved in in the passing game, but I, don't, I think it's like disrespectful to talk about any Raider except Hunter Renfro in this game. That guy is so good. <laughs> I don't. I, it's unbelievable. I don't know why they weren't like rolling him out as a feature player in the offense. Like they kind of marginalized him last year. They definitely marginalized him at the first part of this year. I, I just I, like this guy's good. Well, I, I think that the narrative was that he was like a bad Cole Beasley, right? It, it was the like slot yeah. player, dismissive slot player talk, except like, I don't know, Cooper Cup's a slot player, right? Like yeah. maybe he's closer to Cooper Cup than he is to Cole Beasley. And that's no disrespect Absolutely. to Cole Beasley. I just don't think that that you're right, that he was being underrated. I mean, he's gone over 100 yards for three weeks straight now. Yeah, and he was really, really good as a rookie. That's, I think, the thing that it kind of tilts me about this whole thing is he showed a lot of promise. You know, he's such like a, he's so good at beating zone coverage. And also this year, he's really been putting guys in blenders in one-on-one coverage situations too. He's been like a godsend for this team that has obviously had a lot of issues and a lot of turnover in their passing game uh, with Henry Ruggs being released. And then, um, you know, Darren Waller being hurt, not really himself for most of this year. He's been huge for them. He's like the one part of this team that I think you can bank on every single week. And and I, I would, I would continue to use him in fantasy and, and continue to be excited about him from like a dynasty perspective too. I bet you he's extremely underrated in those rankings. And in DFS every week, he oh, is a value under $20 generally in our game. Let's talk about Travis Kelsey a second because he was coming off of that three-catch game uh, against Denver. This week doesn't do a whole lot. The expectation was because of the performance against the Raiders earlier in the season, um, he would be able to bounce back. Obviously, as we talked about, he has the Chargers on a short turnaround. Last time he played the Chargers, seven receptions for 104 yards. Are you concerned at all? Or is this kind of the way it goes? They didn't need to use him. And so that's why all the running backs that we mentioned earlier were involved. I think there's a decent chance that um, Mark Andrews unseats him for the top tight end uh, scoring spot in fantasy this year, which would snap like an incredible streak by Travis Kelsey as the top scoring tight end in fantasy. So I certainly think he's taken a step back in terms of like beating single man coverage. That's something that's uh, definitely been a problem so far this year. Um, and this is, you know, a team, it, you know, it's a team like the Chargers, it makes sense because they play pretty, you know, a pretty soft zone coverage that doesn't want to give up those vertical passes to a team like Kansas City. It makes sense that they'd run the offense room. So I, yeah, I'd be like 0% surprised if Travis Kelsey has a great game next week because, of course, he's Travis Kelsey too. So, uh, but I definitely think that like, 
the days of him being the number one tight end, set it and forget it. Like those will, I don't think he will be ranked like that next year. I think that probably makes a lot of sense. Um, bonus game that we're going to talk about because we usually discuss five, but we wanted to discuss the Seahawks as well. Not because they, you know, we, we did expect a victory over the Texans, though 33 to 13 is pretty something, but mostly because Russell Wilson has been such an aggravating yeah. fantasy study over the course of the season today. Average 9.3 YPA, two touchdowns, zero sacks, zero turnovers. So looking more and more like the Russell Wilson from September. Yeah, Tyler Lockett, huge game in this one. Again. Uh, Yeah, I haven't heard much from the consistency weenies of late, uh, but we'll we'll check in on them at some point this year, I'm sure, while Tyler Lockett is winning weeks here late in the season. Uh, And I say all this, by the way, is the idiot that – paid lower for uh for mike williams so i could get from tyler lockett to dk metcalf so i'm the dummy here so don't don't take any of my crowing uh that seriously Uh, yeah russ looked great in this game it's an easy matchup of course but he looked great last week i think we're at a point now where we're feeling pretty good about russell wilson and this passing game at least like and i think you're feeling better obviously about tyler lockett than dk metcalf there's something off with the whole dk metcalf and russell wilson connection it's fishy right it's a little fishy yeah there's 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 something there I mean, there's something there. I feel like when you're a personality as big as DK Metcalf and there's obvious complaining about not getting the ball yeah. two weeks ago and then that squeaky real wheel doesn't get the grease, maybe a little bit of a message is being sent. Yeah, and I, I feel like, yeah, there's just, we'll just leave it at there's something there. I mean, it'll be, it, if these two split up in the offseason, which does, I I, th- I think that feels like kind of a foregone conclusion that, that you know, Russ will be somewhere else or, you know, at least, I don't know. We'll see. The, the Seahawks aren't out of the playoff race, though. Like they, hey, ever since everybody on Twitter thought they were the funniest person in the world to make fun of Ian Rappaport's uh, report that they were, you know, in win now mode by signing Adrian Peterson, they're two and zero. So suck it, haters. But uh, I think over, not that he had anything to do with this win, of course. But that's not the point. Uh, facts are facts. I, I think that. But you, you know, make a good point, though, because they brought in Adrian Peterson to work as a band aid until Rashad. Penny could get healthy, and it does not surprise me that, you know, I wouldn't say that the Seahawks ran the ball well last week, but they certainly ran it more efficiently than they had the yeah. prior week. I mean, Alex Collins is clearly not the answer. Not and now that Penny is healthy and he goes off for 137 yards and finds the end zone twice in this one, Russell Wilson is able to also be efficient through the air. Well, that's the thing. For as much as Pete Carroll wants to talk about running the ball and this, that, and the other, they haven't had a good running game, like anything more than an average running game since Marshawn Lynch. I mean, Chris Carson has obviously had some moments, but like, if you're an NFL defense, are you really coming in and be like, good God, we got to shut down Chris Carson, you know? Like, that's not quite that type of, I mean, he's a good player. I'm not, I don't mean to disparage him, but they haven't talked, like, I'm talking about an impose your will running game. Like, I'm afraid to go get my ass kicked by this running game for, you know, an entire afternoon on football field. I don't think they've had that running game in a long time, but, and I'm not sure that they've got it with Rashad Penny either, but he could provide an answer for a team that I think does desperately need one at running back. Where are you at with the Rashad Penny thing? Because it's like, yeah, 16 carries, 57% of the snaps, only runs a route on, I think, 47% of the dropbacks. There's definitely some flukish numbers here, especially uh, against the Texans. I mean, reports, but sure, the matchup was easy. Next week, they're at the Rams, so things are going to change, and that's a division game. Um, But we were told, reports were indicating that there'd be a, quote, heavy dose of Penny in this matchup. I mean, that's That's pretty likely analysis, and, and that's what we got. I don't also think that the Seahawks need to have an imposing run game in order for Russell to be effective. And that's like the difference. You know, I I think when you look at the win loss record, when Chris Carson was in the lineup and healthy versus when he's not over the course of his career, like go back to 2018 and you look at Russell Wilson's passing yards versus when Chris Carson was on the field. And when he wasn't, remember when they, when Carson went out with that hip injury at the end of, I think 2019 and they brought back Marshawn Lynch and they made it all the way to the wild card game. And it was the Packers who focused clearly on Lynch in order to shut down the rest of the offense. Like I think that for all of the let Russ cook takes, Russ can't cook if you don't give him a run game. 
And that's what we saw in the middle of the season. I don't really think it was about the finger. We're seeing other players like Taysom Flipping Hill and Joe Burrow play just fine with hurt hands. And I think he was actually providing the balance that would like allow him some foundation, some time, some stability so that he could cook. And I, I don't know. I mean, that's like my general take. And I'm just a little bit frustrated that like, it seems pretty clear to me, but that analysis and that parallel isn't being talked about nearly enough. Yeah, that's because it's like, I mean, we've just completely lost the thread with the whole like run game debate in running back value debate. It's just like you can't really have a rational conversation. Both sides are hashtag both sides are like so irrational in their <laughs> in their dog do <laughs> in their dogmatic <laughs> beliefs do with this whole thing. It, it is really like a political discussion. Anyways, but point here, I think you're dead on right. Um, especially because like maybe Russ could cook without a run game if he was playing for a team like Buffalo, but he plays, you know, in Seattle with Pete Carroll in Seattle and Pete Carroll and Pete, like some of the comments over the last week have definitely illuminated like, oh yeah, Pete's got a really strong hand in how this off, like Pete's got his DNA everywhere on this team. Like he's one of the most influential head coaches in the entire NFL because of the weird ownership structure after the death of their, their, their owner, Paul Allen there, like Pete, that's why I, I don't think Pete Carroll's going away in the offseason. Like, if it comes down to Russ or Pete Carroll, like, it's going to be tough for Pete Carroll might be the one calling the shots in that situation. So, I don't think Pete's firing himself. Anyways, point of all that is to say, like, they, they want to run the ball. Pete wants to run the ball. Uh, so, for that reason, they've got to have uh, an, at least an average running game. And, like, going from Marshawn, the Marshawn Lynch days, I think that's a huge downgrade to what Chris Carson was because Marshawn Lynch was, you know, he's like a Hall of Famer. He's like a legit, you know, Jonathan Taylor before Jonathan Taylor type of guy. Um, Cause an earthquake. Right, exactly. He's literally got an earthquake named after him. Beastquake. I mean, give me a break. But then to go from Chris Carson to, like, flipping Adrian Peterson or, you know, uh, Alex Collins or some of these DJ Dallas. Should I start DJ Dallas or Travis Holber? Like, there's a huge downgrade from that. So, which is you're dead on accurate there. So, I think that, you know, if they can get this penny thing to work out, you know, four years after drafting him in the first round or whatever, it would be right in time, even if it's very, very late. Houston side of things quickly. Uh, Brandon Cooks had a bounce back. I don't know yeah. who saw it coming. I don't know if any of us did. I was forced to play him in a league uh, where Michael Pittman was on by. So I'm thankful. Houston, here's a fun game. We'll play on Sunday at Jacksonville. Um, so I would encourage people to continue to monitor the Brevin Jordan situation Ooh. since that is a rookie tight end. I I'm telling you that's a rookie tight end that he is, he is, ascending at a higher level than I think anyone anticipated. He did find the end zone in this matchup. Ain't bad next week. I like Nico Collins getting 10 targets too. Like I think Nico Collins can That's play yeah. and you know, they can't run the ball. <laughs> Royce Freeman gets 11 carries for 15 yards. Uh, tough scene there. I, I kind of think at this point, you know, Davis Mills is not the future of the Texans, which makes the draft pick all the more weird. But I kind of think he's better at this point for the offense than Tyrod Taylor. And I hate to say that about Tyrod Taylor, you know, one of my Virginia guys, a player I've loved for a long time. But it's Tyrod can give you a couple good games. And he did that at the beginning of the season. But he's a backup quarterback. Uh, Mills is probably back at quarterback, too. But if you're wanting the pass catchers to get more volume, I think you probably want Davis Mills to keep this job. A few other notable performances. Not positively notable, but still worth mentioning and or noting <laughs> Cam Newton oh, and again. Uh, Matt Rule says that the Carolina quarterback position is going to be a platoon because we've always seen QBBCs work out really well. Uh, Robbie Anderson, though, 7 of 12 for 84 and a touchdown. I benched him in favor of Laquan Treadwell. Go me. Um, and DJ Moore, 6 of 10 for 84. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> the Panthers. What? Uh, fire this team into the sun. I don't. I have nothing else to say about this. Um, the bounce back against the Falcons clearly not there for Cam, though. It was nice to see some of these receivers involved a little bit more, and I think we already mentioned that the Panthers are going to Orchard Park next week. So if, if you had them this week and it worked out well, 
Maybe. Same with Chuba Hubbard, too. Like, he scores his touchdown in this one, still got out-snapped by Amir Abdullah and lost the goal line work to Cam Newton, who did score an early rushing touchdown before getting pulled because P.J. Walker knows the four-minute offense or the hurry-up offense more. God, who knows? I said I wasn't going to say any more about it. Now here I am talking about it. I was like, this was it. If you have Chuba Hubbard, you wanted to stream Cam Newton, this was your moment. You got it. Now they play the Bucks twice, I think, to end the year. They play the Bills. They play the Saints. Have fun with that. Bye. Bye. Hey, also, hey, Matt um, Rule, Matt Rule, does he get fired at the end of the year? You think he gets fired? Do you think he comes back? I don't, I know. I don't, I think they gave him such a big contract. I don't think he can. I mean, like what? David Tepper's got deal, enough. Right? David Tepper's got enough money to pay him for five more years to not work for yeah, the team. Yeah, rich folks don't like giving away money though. That's like some, that's I how they know. stay rich. Yeah, I wouldn't know. Mm, ditto. Um, Urban Meyer knows. Um, maybe oh, that'll geez. help him out a little <laughs> bit less. <laughs> Four interceptions on the day for Trevor Lawrence. Zero touchdowns since the Jaguars scored zero points. Did you see? Did you see Urban Meyer and Mike Rabel's handshake after the game? Oh, girl! Did I? I mean, I like the boomy of it. Yes, the loop nonstop. I could have eaten that up for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Who who wants to? Who wants Urban Meyer to be the coach of the Jaguars? Less Jaguars fans or Urban Meyer? I mean, probably Jaguars fans. I mean, we all just have, like, you know somebody that hates their job and, like, that look on their face when they're walking around the office. It's like Urban Meyer's literally wearing that face all game long, especially after losing. I feel like, here's the thing. With all of the off-field stuff with Urban Meyer, the stuff from earlier in the year, and then, sure. like, the report this 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 week from Tom Pelissero. That he's jawing with Mar- Marvin Jones yeah, and getting jawing, into it with players. Get, getting into it with Marvin Jones. Benching Marvin James. Jones, by the way, the nicest, nicest guy, guy in the NFL. I've, I've interviewed him. You've probably talked to him. One of the, I can't imagine getting gruff with that guy. Yeah, guys like post video of himself on Twitter, like singing. You know, he's just, a, he's like a lovely, <laughs> lovely man. Everybody likes, you know, you got Trevor Lawrence, who, by the way, like never, never speaks out about anything ever saying that he, He's like, yeah, we got to play James Robinson. Thanks. I, yeah, well, I really wish you didn't play him in fantasy today. But, uh, like, you got Trevor Lawrence doing that. You got, uh, like you said, John with veterans asking the coaching staff, who you hired the coaching staff to, like, read your resume. I feel with all of that combined with the fact that they are actively making Trevor Lawrence worse, like, on a week to like, it's getting worse and worse yeah. and worse. If the Jaguars bring Urban Meyer back next year, they're just you can't even take them seriously as an organization and i mean i would if i was a fan i would never never watch a game never consume any content it's that bad no i mean you've got georgia football to watch what do you need uh jacksonville Georgia <laughs> certain the bulldogs are more entertaining i'm part of the country than jacksonville i i am worried about trevor Florida. lawrence now like a generational yeah. talent i i think this was the game that i was like ah, it's officially oh, yeah. panic time because yeah. they're breaking him I mean, you got uh, Laquan Treadwell and LaVisca Chenault running. Uh, Treadwell's running the dig. Chenault's running the out from the slot, and they're running into each other. Into each other, yeah. No. Uh, Treadwell did uh, manage 68 yards, four catches, I believe, for 68. My fearless forecast was five for 68 and a touchdown, so I was uh, <laughs> Close. six points shy. <laughs> well, touchdowns are hard to predict. <laughs> Minty got the over on that on that, uh, that prop she gave. I saw that I got an alert from an app, uh, which shall not be named. Uh, that, uh, you know, he, he had like a 40-plus yard catch. It's like, way to go, Minty. You got it all in one. Nice. Uh, Taysom Hill, 175 passing yards, 73 rushing yards, two <laughs> rushing TDs. He did not clear the two and a half that you, me, and Andy all predicted on FFL. Two scores through the air, on the ground, one of each seems to be the expectation. That's what he's done. That's what he did all last year as the starter. That's what he did last week. That's what he did today. Even against the Jets, it was Alvin Kamara who stole the show with 31 touches for 145 yards and a score. Still, uh, I mean, the rushing upside here is pretty incredible that Taysom Hill gives you. He, You barely got that uh, second one, too. Old Taysom Hill took in like a 50-yard rushing touchdown at the end of the game. Um, That's why you can't st- you can't sit him, though. That's why. Minute and 15 left in the fourth quarter. He runs for a 44, excuse me, a 44-yard touchdown so yeah no you can't you can't sit him and even if he hadn't gotten that you know that took him to like one of the best quarterback performances of the week even if he hadn't gotten that it's like yeah it was pretty pretty solid day 
for uh, for Taysom Hill. Like if you had to stream him, I, I played him in a league where uh, Jalen Hurts was on bye. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's like I feel pretty great. <laughs> I would have felt fine. Now I feel great. Uh, I benched him in favor of Lamar Jackson. So what probably not going playoffs in that one. Well, <laughs> Lamar did complete all four of his passes. Hundred percent completion rate. Uh, let's talk about your favorite running back, old Saquon Barkley. Yeah, showing you up, Matt. <laughs> Nineteen for ninety-five and a touch. Yeah, he finally did something with all of his volume. Uh, that was good to see. Devontae Booker still did kind of mix in here. Uh, he, he Saquon Barkley, like you mentioned, 16 carries, 8 for Devontae Booker, uh, who was more efficient with his rushing opportunities there. Um, they kind of ran, ran the ball pretty well, which is no surprise. Like, you can run the ball in the Chargers. Uh, but the play of the day for Saquon Barkley, which this was impressive, by the way. This was probably the most impressive I think he's looked at any point. He runs like a nice little route on an outside cornerback, Mike Davis, for the uh, for the L.A. Chargers. Davis bites on he. You could tell Davis was like hunting for that pick six off Mike Glennon, <laughs> which hey, I don't blame him. He, he bites on the double move from Saquon Barkley, who uh, just soars right into the end zone there for a touchdown. That was a very impressive play. Otherwise, I don't want to talk about the Giants. I mean, this uh, is no. a Michigas of messiness. Uh, Melvin Gordon, 24 carries for 111 yards and two touchdowns. Javante Williams, 16 touches for 83 yards and two touchdowns. There was a lot of commotion and chatter about whether the genie would, could or would be put back into the bottle after Javante Williams went off last week with Uncle Melvin, as Tank Williams likes to call him, sidelined. It makes sense here. Melvin Gordon is healthy again. He gets the volume. Javante Williams continues to be a tackle-breaking force, but, I mean, you're paying this vet out through the end of the year. You might as well use him. I think it's strategically very smart on behalf of the coaching staff to save Williams now instead of running him into the ground early. Hey, you got to get your money's worth. Got to get your money's worth out of Melvin. Um, No, listen, yeah, I think – hey – Shout out to you, Vic Fangio. You're still probably doing this for the next coaching staff, too, saving Javante Williams. But, uh, yeah, you play both these guys in fantasy, especially in a matchup against the Lions. Like, that was the thing. It's like, we can sit here and hem and haw about, well, Javante Williams should get this type workload. But the reality is you're playing both of these guys against the Lions. And uh, you're probably trending. I mean, look at the running back landscape out there. You're probably playing they're, both these guys They're both anyways. RB2s yeah, yeah. every week. Like, they're in between the, like, I don't know, running back 25 and 15 landscape, just depending on the matchup every single week. So congratulations. You get two from the same team because Teddy Bridgewater can't throw the ball and it's the Jerry Judy investor who should be crying. <laughs> Amon Ross St. Brown. That don't was tell, what if, that if, if, the, if the Judy uh, <laughs> investors are crying, what are the Cortland Sutton bros doing? Oh, they they they're not listening at this point in the season. Yeah, yeah, my friend. Yeah. They're they're on to so. they're on to fishing or, or whatever. Oh, they're playing DFS. Um, so they, they're free of Sutton. That's the beauty of daily. But I want to talk about and end things with uh, in this segment with Amon Ross St. Brown because you talked him up on FFL this morning as a player to watch, and he caught 8 of 12 for 73. We've seen him flash throughout the season. I, I liked him more at the top of the season, but finally the opportunity share is becoming more consistent. Yeah, really, since his bye week, they have boosted his playing time. He's number one on the team in routes run over that span, number one on the team in targets in that span. Obviously, not having TJ Hawkinson was a big boost to a guy that is still primarily a big slot receiver in Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, but still, yeah, I think he's a guy that you're you're probably going to think about starting uh, if you're looking for like a high floor asset in a PPR league because, hey, the Lions are going to be. It was adorable. You got your win. Great. That was fantastic. This is the type of situation the Lions are going to find themselves in every week, you know, kind of dinking and dunking, trying to keep games competitive. I feel bad for the Lions, man. They, they're so... Um, like COVID and flu ridden. It's like flu, yeah. they're dealing. Yeah, right. They're dealing with like a COVID outbreak and a flu outbreak. It's like the, 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 uh, the, the flu is like, Hey, don't forget about me. I know we're all talking about COVID, but you can't forget about me too. I'm still here. And they probably all went out and celebrated a well-deserved win oh, yeah. last week. And like got, they got each other that sick. was out there, you know? Oh, uh, see, that's no the, mor- that's the moral of the story. Never celebrate. No, especially against Denver too, who, you know, had a, some emotion behind their play for good reason this week. It was, yeah. it was, a, it was a tough scene all around uh, for the Detroit Lions. Let's talk Monday night football. The Rams at Cardinals. Cardinals are only two and a half point favorites. I liken them to the Valtteri Botas of the NFC West. Consistently underrated and counted out. 
Daryl Henderson is obviously, as we discussed, on the COVID list. So that should mean another Sony Michelle game. You gave an interesting stat on FFL about the uh, explosive running plays that the Arizona Cardinals were giving up, I'm guessing, since J.J. Watt was hurt. Yeah. They've been 32nd all year in explosive run rate allowed. They've been they obviously the J.J. Watt uh, loss has been huge. Um, You know, David Montgomery. Uh, your guy, Dave Montgomery, just ran all over them last week and still made explosive plays in the passing game as well. Uh, BetMGM has not posted a Sony Michelle uh, player prop, um, which is probably not going to happen until like, closer to kickoff. I had to go on our Yahoo Sportsbook show during halftime, and I he was the one guy I wanted to give a prop on. Couldn't do it. So that will probably bring my record down a little bit. I was so confident in that. Uh, but whatever the Sony Michelle line is, give me the over. I think he's got to be in your daily fantasy lineups at just seventeen bucks. Listen, the, he's just when he's not in there, you can when Henderson's not in there, you can basically bank Michelle for you know fifteen, eighteen touches bare minimum. That feels good, especially in this particular matchup. Um, I I really am excited about Michelle, and I also think too, Liz. Maybe you disagree. I don't know, but like. I think he gives them that like punching rhythm runner that they need right now on offense, you know, kind of they, they, there's been a lot made about Sean McVay's inability to adjust or like the, the drop off that his offenses consistently see in the second half of seasons. Maybe Michelle, if he has another good game forces uh, McVay's hand to like adjust in this way. Um, I mean, I'm sure all like the EPA numbers won't bear it out. Cause it'll be by, you know, running the ball. What a shame. But uh, yeah, I, I think that, I think it would be good news for them if they continue to get Michelle uh, rock and rolling in that way. So maybe forego the explosiveness of Henderson for the predictability of Michelle. Yeah. Yeah, And like Michelle can eventually break like a 20 plus yard run. He's not going to have the same. Yeah. That same juice that Henderson gives you, but I mean, you could get Henderson involved too, but I think like from a one, a perspective, maybe your offense is better. If Sony Michelle's grinding you out, like, four or five yards a carry. Uh, and then, you know, you're mixing in Henderson while also, of course, still being a more explosive passing offense. In DFS, who do you like more at their prices? OBJ, who we expect to score for the third week in a row, or Van Jefferson? Yeah, that's so tough. Um, I think, obviously, the one thing... We talked about how the Cardinals have been giving up explosive rushing plays. They have not been giving up explosive passing plays. And I think in that regard, you know, obviously Beckham is probably the better vertical threat of the two in terms of like they're at this point in his career. I still think he's probably a better vertical threat than Van Jefferson, although Jefferson has Jefferson's role has kind of changed a little bit, too. He's become more of like an interior guy doing more of like the Robert Woods stuff. Uh, of course, not as good as Robert Woods is, but. Uh, I still really like Van Jefferson. Uh, Van Jefferson's eighteen bucks. Odell Beckham is sixteen. The two dollar little uh, little value that you're getting there, you probably 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 Beckham, but I'm not convinced about that. I think these guys are very very close. And are you as down on Matt Stafford as Andy was on FFL? No, I'm not. I mean, I know that the Cardinals' defense is good, but this should be. I mean, as long as he's protected, and that's you know, it's worth worth noting that. Uh, the Cardinals have a good pass rush. As long as he's protected, I think this should be a good, this should be a really good fantasy game. I mean, even like we said that about the bucks and bills and that one took a while to get there. It did eventually get there in terms of the point total. Uh, but yeah, I, I think this should be a pretty good game on Monday night. Which of the two quarterbacks would you prefer to play? I assume you're paying up for Kyler. Oh yeah. 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 Kyler look, Kyler looks great. I think, uh, not having him play in the cold will be good for Kyler Murray. Yeah, I, I think I like Zach. I like Zach Ertz a lot in this game too. Ertz is like not—he's nineteen bucks. He's not like like a dart throw guy. You know, like Tyler Higby just sitting there sucking wind on every uh, one of my season-long teams that didn't work out. He's like ten bucks now. <laughs> Tyler Higby running like all the routes, getting all the targets at the tight end position. Ten bucks in daily fantasy because he never does anything with them. But uh, Zach Ertz, I do like him in this game. The Cardinals are, you know, little vulnerable to the position, especially they see, or excuse me, the Rams are a little vulnerable to the position and, and are typically easier to pick on down the seams. Uh, I do kind of like Zach Ertz in this game to have a decent line. I like the idea of a lot of managers having to wait for this last game because there should be some fantasy fireworks in this matchup before they know whether or not they're advancing to the playoffs. And it does bear mentioning 
that both of these teams are really closely ranked five and six, in fact, in total DVOA. So a nice, uh, even matchup, one offense a little bit better than maybe the other one's defense and so on and so forth. But it was another exciting week. Um, we have recapped six games, injuries, notable performances, previewed Monday Night Football with a DFS spin for you. And that is going to do it for us tonight, at least for this portion of what we have to do tonight. If you want to keep the conversation going on Twitter, make sure to follow me at Liz Loza underscore FF and follow Matt at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're at it, go ahead and double check that you're following at Yahoo Fantasy for a different angle on Sunday's games. You can listen to Charles Robinson and Frank Schwab in the most recent episode of You Pod to Win the Game. Go ahead and search for it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and make sure you come back tomorrow to this podcast, the Fantasy Football Forecast, for the very special pickup pod with Andy and Scott. Until then, we're out. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.